This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to The Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome everybody to the latest edition of The Bullpen with Adam the Bull. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. lot to get to on today's podcast. We're talking plenty of football as the Browns announce their coaching staff. And they are introduced, including and led by the new offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey. Plus, a big contract extension with a similar market team to Cleveland. What does this say about what the Guardians are going to face in the AL Central? And the Cavs remain Red hot. We'll talk about that and their prospects for the playoffs. All coming up on today's edition of the Bullpen with Adam the Bull, brought to you by Bet Rivers. You're in the Bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. So today, the Browns make it official. We've all reported a lot of these signings over the last couple of weeks since the Browns season came to an end. But uh, the Browns have announced their new coaching staff officially. Ken Dorsey, who played quarterback in, of course, for the University of Miami, lost to the Ohio State Buckeyes and my man Dustin Fox in the national championship game over 20 years ago. Played for the Browns, of course, as I mentioned, and then coached for a long time in the NFL, is the official new offensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. Um. <coughs> Obviously, Ken Dorsey, we've talked a lot about the fact that he's been in Buffalo the last couple of years. He was fired just past the halfway point of the season this past year, and now here he is in Cleveland. He spoke today. He was First, he was introduced by Kevin Stefanski at a press conference, and then he spoke. Of course, the number one question that came up uh, to both Kevin – well, actually, Kevin Stefanski preemptively answered the question without it being asked, and then Ken Dorsey was asked, specifically about it, but Kevin Stefanski, even before the media had a chance to ask him questions, said when he said, okay, I know you're all going to want to know about play call. He said, quote, we'll get there. It's February 5th. Looking forward to putting the offense together with our new OC, of course, Ken Dorsey. So in the past, Kevin Stefanski has always made it clear he likes to call plays, that he's the play caller, that's nothing, nothing was going to change. When Alex Van Pelt was here, he would consistently be asked about it, especially when things weren't going well uh, in years two and three. Didn't really get the question as much last year because the team was playing well. And he would consistent. there was no hesitation. There was no, we'll see. There was, I'm the play caller. That's it. Today, even before being asked, Kevin Stefanski say, says, we shall see. Ken Dorsey was asked specifically how important is the play calling to him, and he kind of sidestepped the question, 
said, hey, I'm here to make the team better. I'm going to do what I have to do to be build up the offense. The same, you know, talk you hear from everybody. Now, whether or not the decision's been made behind the scenes, we don't know. You know, I've shared what I've heard consistently over the past month with you and many others have heard that maybe Kevin Stefanski, not maybe, that Kevin Stefanski is having his hand forced to some degree. But that's irrelevant at this point. Um, it does, because the they're being cagey about the answer to the question, I'm going to continue to assume that Ken Dorsey is going to call plays. Now, the bottom line is, if Ken, if Kevin Stefanski was so perturbed about this, which I would be if my hand was forced, again, I don't know that. I made it very clear. We don't know this with I don't know this with 100% certainty. But I I'd be frustrated and I would probably quit. So maybe it's not the case or maybe he doesn't really care that much. I don't know. Maybe he feels like after 4 years the team would be better off with him being the overseer and having someone else calling plays. There was no definitive answer. But the lack of a definitive yes for Kevin Stefanski still calling plays makes me assume that Ken Dorsey will, in fact, call the plays. A couple other announcements today. Uh, Tommy Reese officially announced as the tight end coach and the passing game specialist. Deuce Staley officially named as the running backs coach and Jacques Césaire officially named as the new defensive line coach. The Browns did not announce what they're doing with Ben Bloom, who I believe is still on the staff, he was the defensive line coach, but now he is not. Uh, what all four of these guys have in common, Ken Dorsey, Tommy Reese, Deuce Staley, Jock Cesaire, is they all played in the NFL. Now, I don't know if it's just a coincidence or not, and Tommy Reese didn't really play much in the NFL. Neither did Ken Dorsey, frankly. The other two guys obviously played a long time in the league, but uh, I, can't hurt, right? Can't hurt. Now, uh, they'll probably still announce something with Ben Bloom. It's not, they're not, all the positions are not set. He talked about Bill Callahan, the fact that he wanted to go uh, work for his son, Brian. But it's the first time a son, uh, I was going to say, first, first, I thought I heard somebody say it was the first time a son hired a dad, but but the uh, that's not true because Lane Kiffin hired Monty Kiffin in Tampa Bay. Um, but, Nevertheless, Kevin Stefanski made the statement that, you know, they're not going to stand in the way of Bill Callahan, who wanted to go coach with his son. Understandable. It's a loss for the Browns. We've talked about this last week. I don't think the sky is falling. I was stunned by some people's reaction um, in the media, I think, making a bigger deal than it is. He is an excellent position coach. Maybe he's the best position coach in the league. Maybe. I don't know how we would define that. Um, certainly he's an excellent position coach and it's, uh, it's, it's not a positive to lose him, but we'll see who they end up hiring to that position. But what we see on offense is a pretty much an overhaul of the entire staff, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach and the Browns wide receivers coach are the only offensive coaches at least, you know, some of the assistant coach, you know, the position assistant coaches will remain there. But in terms of the the main coaching staff, the position coaches and the coordinators 
it's a it's a complete turnover there. Chad O'Shea, I was couldn't think of the, of his name. Chad O'Shea is the passing game coordinator, wide receiver coach. Um, I, I'm assuming he's no longer the passing game coordinator. Tommy Reese was announced as the passing game specialist. I guess there could be a passing game coordinator and a passing game specialist. I'm not sure. Uh, I, it actually still lists Chad O'Shea. Uh, the offensive line coach, again, we're waiting to see. Uh, Scott Peters last year was, for the last few years, has been the assistant offensive line coach for Bill Callahan. You wonder if he will get a promotion or they'll go outside the organization. Um, but but the wide receiver coach is the only chain, the only guy that has not been changed besides assistant position coaches. So what that means in terms of the offense, way too early to tell. How much of a factor was Deshaun Watson in all these decisions? It's hard to say as well. And and there's two ways that that Deshaun Watson uh, could play a role in these decisions. One is he actively said something to ownership or the front office saying, hey, we need to switch up some coaches. I think that's probably unlikely. But more likely is that despite the fact that the Browns overachieved uh, and despite the fact that Deshaun Watson hasn't played that much, his play through two years is not anywhere close to what we expected. And because it's not close to what we expected, I'm assuming it's not close to what the Browns expected. Seems pretty obvious. And that could be why either Kevin Stefanski or Jimmy Haslam or Paul DePodesta, whoever's decision ultimately this was, said we are not getting the most out of our biggest piece. Deshaun Watson needs to play better. For the Browns to get where they want to be, in which is in the Super Bowl, there's a lot of great quarterbacks and a lot of great offenses and a lot of great teams you've got to get past. Led by Kansas City, of course, who's going back to the Super Bowl. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So these moves are made with the assumption that the guys they brought in will help get Deshaun Watson to where they where they want him to be and I hope where he wants to be, I would assume. Because for all the people that got mad at me stunningly when I said Deshaun Watson's been a disaster so far, and again, I understand had I said a disappointment, probably it would have been less anger than if I'd said disaster. But well, I was stunned by so many people that tried to argue that Deshaun Watson has not been disappointing through two years. When I, w- I would have to believe that if you asked him in a private moment, if he's happy with how he's performed through two years, I can't imagine he'd say yes. Um, so there you go. Will the Browns consider Joe Thomas? Is he interested? Right now he's over in Germany coaching there. So we'll see if the Browns even reach out. I have no idea. My, my guess is they promote Scott Peters, who's been here for a few years. Um, but obviously time will tell. All right. There'll be plenty more talk about the Browns, you know, later, next show, whatever. I want to get to the Super Bowl here in just a sec. But first, I want to let you know that Bet Rivers is offering a second chance bet on your first same game parlay on the big game. 
Place a qualifying same-game parlay on the big game. If your bet loses, you get a bonus bet equal to your wager. With your same-game parlay bet, you also earn a square that can be worth as much as $10,000. Make sure you see the BetRivers app for full details and bet on the big game at BetRivers. Speaking of which, as I look at our BetRivers sportsbook, the San Francisco 49ers remain a two-point favorite against the Chiefs. The Chiefs are technically the home team in the in the Super Bowl, although obviously the game is at a, a neutral field in Vegas. The over-under for the game is at 48. On the money line, the Niners are minus 129. The Chiefs are plus 107. A couple little notes I got from our guy Troy at Bet Rivers. Um, so far, six, uh, 72% of the money line bets in terms of the money, has been on the Chiefs. 72% in terms of money, 73% in terms of tickets. Uh, On the two-point spread, similar numbers, 76% of the money on the Chiefs, 73% tickets. And 67% of the money, 74% of the tickets on the over right now. Now, Here's some trends. 11 of the 49ers' last 14 postseason games have gone under. Six of the Chiefs' last eight post uh, last eight games, not postseason, under. So I was leaning towards the over. And again, the lot it's gone from 47 and a half to 48. And I was le- I'm leaning towards the over. The trends say the under, but I'm bucking the trends and going with the. Uh, the over on this one. That's that's the way I'm leaning. A couple other things. Most wagered on player props in terms of the percentage of total game handle. Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown is the most. Top five here at Bet Rivers. Now, that's minus 295, obviously. It's a huge favorite, if you will. I mean, it's one of the most likely things to happen. <clears throat> Not a surprise that's getting the highest percentage of total game handle. Uh, Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, is second. And the and you get a much better, you know, for Christian McCaffrey, it's minus 295. For Travis Kelsey, it's minus 110. They're both likely to score. I, I like the minus 110 on Travis Kelsey a lot more than the minus 295 on McCaffrey. Isaiah Pacheco, anytime touchdown, is third and minus 132. Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP award is fourth at plus 130. And Debo Samuel, over 13 and a half total rushing yards, is fifth at minus 123. And the most, finally, one other thing I wanted to give you, most most wagered on plays by percentage of Super Bowl MVP award winner handle. Patrick Mahomes, number one at plus 30, over fi- almost 54%. Uh, Travis Kelsey, second, plus 1,400. Christian McCaffrey, third, plus 450. Isaiah Pacheco, fourth, plus 3,500. Debo Samuel, fifth at plus 3,000. I kind of, I mean, I if you if you're gonna go with the Niners, um, let me look at something here. Hmm. If you're gonna go with the Niners in terms of an anytime touchdown, right? Well, not necessarily the Niners, but I, I, I'll give you one that I like. 
in terms of an anytime touchdown is a Brandon Ayuk at plus 143. I, I think that, I mean, he is the seven, sixth. He's got the sixth best odds to score an anytime touchdown, and I, I would have him higher than that. So I like Brandon Ayuk plus 143. And if you really want to go out on a limb a little bit for a buck or two, how about Brock Purdy plus 525? Again, he's got to score a rushing or receiving, I guess, touchdown. Plus 525, you never know if they're on the goal line. And they usually give it to McCaffrey, but if we're, you know, that could be a low-risk, high-reward play there. All right. Uh, I want to get to baseball here. And today, big news around Major League Baseball, the Kansas City Royals have broke out the checkbook. Uh, They signed their top guy, Bobby Witt Jr., their best player. He was their best prospect. He completely – he had a decent rookie season. And his second year, he was great. Uh, He's an MVP candidate heading into year three. They signed him to an 11-year, $288.7 million deal. And in in addition, there's three – the team has three option years – that could bring the whole entire deal to nearly $378 million. He can opt out after years 7, 8, 9, and 10. So the Royals have got Bobby Witt locked up for at least seven years, which would take them through the uh, 2030, where he'd be in his 30s already. So this is pretty cool. Seems like a, it's a lot of money, um, but as good as he is, first of all, the, f- the next four years, he's making $2 million, He gets a seven, I can't remember the exact amount, $7 million some odd signing bonus. Uh, but in terms of salary the next four years, $2 million, $7 million, $13 million, $19 million. He's going to be way underpaid the next four years. And then in 2028 through 2030, he gets 30, 35, 35, and then it becomes essentially player options after that for 35, 35, 35, and 35, and then club options at 33, 28, and 28. In theory, he could be signed through the year 2037. I love when the mid-market teams, I'm not going to say small market, Kansas City's not a small market. They can afford to spend more as they have here. I've gone on and on about the, the Guardians not spending. But this, when players like this, oh, the Guardians have done it with Jose Ramirez. When you have homegrown guys like this, top guys that hit, like Bobby Witt, it's great for baseball when these guys stay, stay put. I don't want to see Bobby Witt going to play for the Yankees or Mets. I want him staying in Kansas City. That's great. Good job by the Royals locking him in. Meanwhile, it's been a miserable, another miserable offseason for the Cleveland Guardians. They've essentially done nothing. Um, if you look at their roster, they have made virtually no additions to the major league roster. Um, it is pathetic how they just refuse to spend money and a, a source of continued frustration for Guardians fans. You know, saw somebody say today that well, the Guardians are by far the worst organization in Cleveland. And for so many years, I would have just laughed at somebody for saying that. 
And so my first reaction was like, that's crazy. And then I thought about it. and It's true. Right now, the Guardians are the worst organization in Cleveland. It's sad, but it's true. What have the Guardians done this offseason? They've they made a trade to get a relief pitcher in Scott Barlow. It was a nice pitcher coming off an OK season. Has been a closer in the past. It's a fine addition. And they signed Austin Hedges. They brought him back. Why they spend four? I mean, again, if Austin Hedges is the backup quarter, backup catcher, I'm fine with that. But when you're not spending any money to spend four million on Austin Hedges, seems stupid. And that's it. Uh, any other guy that makes this roster, in terms of uh, you know who they signed in the offseason, were basically minor league contracts or minimum and uh, major league baseball deals. The Guardians started this offseason with many holes in their lineup and they have not filled any of them. As of now, uh, Bo Naylor's a catcher. I like the potential there, but I'm not expecting a ton of power, at least not yet. At first base, I think it's going to be Kyle Manzardo, who they got in the Savali trade last year. But knowing the Guardians, they're not going to want to pay him right away, so they'll probably keep him in the minors for a month before they call him up. Second base, Jimenez, coming off a down year, but I'm good there. Shortstop, I have no idea whether it's going to be Rocchio, whether it's going to be Arias. I, I I don't know what they're going to do. There's It's a huge question mark at shortstop. Third base, Jose. Left field, Stephen Kwan. Center field, probably going to be Miles Straw. I mean, as, as ridiculous as that is. Ramon Laureano, another big question mark in right field. Uh, they haven't had an outfielder hit 20 home runs since Michael Brantley, and 20 is not a high bar. Michael Brantley's not even a power hitter. Uh, of their projected starting lineup at the moment, only six of the nine guys even hit double-digit home runs last year. Uh, sorry, less than that. So here's, uh, in fact, Fangraphs, which does a great job. The projected home run totals for the current Guardians roster. Jose Ramirez, 27. Josh Naylor, 23. Uh, Andre Simenez, 18. Ramon Laureano, 17. Kyle Manzardo, 15. Bo Naylor, 14. Nobody else in double digits. And most of those guys are 18 or less. It's not good. Their lineup stinks. Nothing has changed. Love the rotation. Bullpen's fine. Should be pretty good. The lineup has got, they got to get lucky because they refuse to spend any money. It's really frustrating. It stinks if you're a fan. But uh, they are they are massively behind the eight ball. Unless Manzardo and Naylor are both absolute superstars. And again, whoever they end up playing at shortstop ends up being a superstar. Maybe it changes. They're still going to get no power from Quan. I like him, but no power. Straw's got no power. You know, and, and, and there's guys out there like Jorge Soler still out there. Be the best power hitter on the team. They won't spend any money. Since Edwin Encarnacion seven years ago, the Guardians have spent under $100 million on free agents. Under $100 million. I don't. I haven't looked at every other team. I'm guessing probably Oakland, maybe Tampa Bay have spent less. I'm not even sure about those teams. Oakland, I'm sh- probably. Maybe Tampa. Um, Miami has spent more. Uh, you know, Kansas City, I guess, might be around there. Not many. There's no excuse for them to be this bottom of the barrel. But it's true. 
and they deserve no benefit of the doubt. Even the front office got a lot to prove. They have not done a good job the last couple of years. Finally, the Cleveland Cavaliers, longest winning streak. They've won five in a row. They'll play the Kings tonight. We'll see how they do, but the the Cavs have won nine of ten, and they're playing great basketball. They win tonight. They'll be tied for the two seed in the East. It's a lot of fun. Darius Garland a little banged up. They got it. They're getting used to the new guys being back in the mix. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see with the playoffs. Little what about 10, 11, 12 weeks away? It's gonna be interesting to see how it plays itself out over the next few weeks. Be huge if the Cavs could end up as I mean the two be amazing. But if they could just be the two or the three, be fantastic. This way you can avoid that five, eight, four or five game against Philly or the Knicks because obviously the Knicks are also playing extremely well. All right, that's it for me today. Thanks as always for joining me. Thanks to Brian Monzo for producing. We'll talk to you next time. Where else? But right here, the bullpen with Adam the Bull brought to you by Bet Rivers. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network.